Our guest today has been overcoming the odds his entire life. Doug Smith, former number two overall draft pick who overcame a career-ending and almost life-ending injury. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show, coming up! Our guest today hails from Ottawa. He played for the Ottawa 67s as a junior. He had 45 goals one season with 101 points in 54 games, an award-winning season, second overall draft in the 1981 NHL draft, 535 NHL games for the LA Kings, Buffalo Sabres, Oilers, Canucks, and Penguins. Also played two seasons in Europe. He suffered a career-ending neck injury. He is a motivational speaker life coach and author ladies and gentlemen welcome to the program doug smith doug great hey, to have you here thanks, thanks joe wonderful thanks for the invite so uh your first major challenge as a young athlete it was overcoming rickets and leg braces can you speak to us <laughs> on, on that you've you've read some of my work um <laughs> yeah yeah i started off in ankle to hip leg braces as a child but my mother my mother used to take me to the Ottawa West Tennis Club and, uh, you know, she wouldn't stand for anybody not treating me like I was just a, a normal kid. And then, you know, one of the things I remember very fondly is same as the Forrest Gump movie when when I was taken out of those leg braces and I was able to to move. I just I started running and I never stopped. It reminds me that Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> He, he yeah, shook off exactly. those leg braces and away he went. I can't not. I can't not watch that movie, Joe. It's like if it comes on at one in the morning, I'm I'm in. That's you. It's a Doug Smith story. It is. It's it it, it yeah, is yeah. like I, I watch it and 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 the naivete and probably the ADHD and the table tennis. I'm a ranked table tennis player today. It got me back from my injury, like table tennis, right? And, and Forrest Gump, wow. it's table tennis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, a lot of similarities <laughs> there. So uh, so how do you go, though, from leg braces to a season with the Ottawa 67s where you have 45 goals in 54 games, 56 assists for uh, for those 67s? You, you get around people who help you uh, build your belief and, and you get around a lot of ice and you get around a lot right. of love. And that's how, uh, that's how I, that's how I did it. Really. I, I was very fortunate to be surrounded by those three things. And, and now the work I do on trauma and the brain, you know, are reflecting those exact things is that, you know, you become what you're around and you can't help it. The brain is coded before it becomes conscious. So the fact that you're surrounded by love and support, you're able to, uh, you know, to and believe, you know, manifest that. Right. Right. And belief. Right. Yeah. So, well, here's a trust you. If I trust you, Joe, like I can rapidly internalize your belief in me. Right. So that's how trust right. and belief in self works. Right. Like I'll, I'll right. rapidly download it. You give it to me as much as you want with that smile and I'll take it. Right. Because there's trust. Right. Well, we got a clip from you from uh, as a 17 year old uh, playing junior hockey from the 67s. Let's roll that. Big. Oh, my, Ottawa my God. Is the biggest. It's the highest point in my career. That's so why I lost my and, team. Uh, 
I don't know, getting drafted <laughs> by a professional team as, as young, maybe as next year. Uh, I just hard, find it hard to believe until I really got there. You know, <laughs> you look like a, like, a, like a real humble kid, no doubt about that. But uh, in addition to being a great hockey player, you also won the Bobby Smith Award for Outstanding Academic Achievement in, in the OHL. And, uh, you know, then you get drafted uh, by, by, you know, by the Kings, second overall after Dale Howarchuk. Uh, Doug Smith's name is called. What was that like? You know, I, I don't have much recollection of it because it was so outrageous. It was such a short time in junior. And then going to L.A. and, the, and, and you know, that, that far away from home and the, the naivete and the lack of awareness. Um, it, it was a, when, you look, when I look back at it, if my kid was doing it, I'd be scared out of my mind. And, and I moved there on my own. And I, I was left uh, the first year of the 18-year-old draft really to my own devices and as an 18 year old extreme like this extreme guy with all sorts of ADHD issues it, it, I was lucky to survive the five years in LA that I I, I after the first two years I wanted out and and it took them three years to trade me and that was that was the trauma I suffered in LA Wow and despite the trauma you had you had a lot of success as a king and you know and and uh we got some video of you here against the Blackhawks. Okay, this is uh, probably your rookie season right here, taking the puck away from Denny oh, Savard. Yeah, I was gone there. Uh, nobody could catch me. Uh, seriously, Joe, I learned to skate. Uh, you know, from some of the fastest skaters in the world, and I just seemed to be able to a a adopt their skating style. Like Johnny Lins Linsman was the fastest guy in the OHL. Uh, Kenny Linsman's brother and 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 I sat beside right. him on the bench with Ottawa and I learned how to skate like him and became one of the fastest players in the world. So I, I was very fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable. You just you know whatever it is, you're just going to do it. I get that. Just get uh, next to it. If incredible. you want it, if you want it, get next to it. You'll get it. <laughs> okay. Well, well, here's a, here's another dandy goal right here. So this is you winning the draw in the neutral zone and once again showing oh, off this Phil incredible wheels. Oh, wow, beautiful Phil feed Sykes. for Jim Fox. Phil Sykes. Yeah. Well, no, I was yeah. Phil Sykes. Phil Sykes buried that one there. So it wasn't, it oh, wasn't yeah. Jimmy. But, uh, yeah, th this was uh, this was one of those uh, highlight reels. I wish I had it in uh, higher resolution, but thank you so much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then you picked the top corner right there, top cheddar. That was a goal scorer's goal right there. Sure looked like it to be pretty sweet. Uh, well, that's me yeah. passing. So I passed it there. Yeah, that's you back. passing. Yeah, right, but then, then you Phil, also, Phil yeah, 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 yeah. Phil, who is Phil Six? Phil Sykes, S Y K E S. S Y K E S. Yeah, we, right. Okay, yeah, there's guy. a pass too. But we also had awesome we also had one of your goals too. So, uh, uh, so yeah, incredible wheels, and you said you got that from you know from uh, you know watching Johnny. your your teammate uh, Ken Linsman's brother, Ken Linsman's brother. So. Yeah. Um, in addition to being, uh, you know, having your moments certainly in, in, in your days as a king, you were also a, a major contributor in the greatest comeback in NHL playoff history. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're talking about the miracle on Manchester in 1982 against the mighty Edmonton Oilers, who were up and coming and seemed unbeatable at the time. But before that game, there was a miracle in game one. Uh, the, you know, Kings rallied from 4-1 down in that game, helped in part to a steal and a score by you. Vic, if we can find that, uh, here we go. 
Uh, oh, I don't have this. I this, don't have this one. I don't have okay, this. You're going to have to get this This too. is from Paul Patsko. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, Here we are right God, there. Oh, my God. That is crystal right. clear. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, we'll get that to you, no doubt. That's Paul Patsko, our, our video librarian. He's got oh, the, the my, most incredible cool. video library cool. in thank, hockey. Thank you for my kids yeah. and stuff. Oh, my God. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, now this helped the Kings rally from 4-1 down in that game. And uh, what about that time, you're probably thinking that maybe you can do this. Was that the case? Uh, the Kings thinking perhaps uh, we might be able to beat the, these guys. Well, you, you know, we, it wasn't until the, the, the miracle on Manchester game. And really, it came down to the high stick to Dave Lewis, right, that gave us a two-man advantage uh, in, that, in that comeback game in L.A. Um, and then after we came back from five nothing down and beat them six five in overtime, we had to fly on the same plane back to uh, Edmonton that night. And so the only reason we got the back of the plane is because we had more smokers than the Edmonton Oilers did. So they, they <laughs> the front of the plane. And and we got back to Edmonton and they they were so stunned after after losing the game they were up five nothing and they were so stunned we beat them six to two and they were done they were out of the playoffs just like that. And and it wasn't it wasn't that we were in the playoffs they were out of the playoffs they 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 had twice as many points as we did that year. Yeah, well, let's go back and look at that game. So here we are, game three uh, of the miracle. Now the owners up five nothing as you mentioned, heading into the third period. Uh, owner Jerry Buss left the building. You helped spark the yeah. comeback. Now this goal made it five to two. Uh, yeah. Was was that mood? What was the mood like prior to that comeback? On the you team, know, on the bench. Uh, uh, what what happened was for the first time I think that I ever saw Glenn Sather and 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 his assistant coaching staff, and 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 many of the players start were laughing at us and 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 really like if they did it today it would it would be recorded and they would be fined or kicked out of the league because they were treating us so badly, and 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 uh, you know they never did it again after that. They really didn't. No, they, 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 pulled, they pulled it together, and 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 they never ever um, became arrogant. And 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 as you do sometimes as you're young, I'm not blaming them. Right? They they were up five nothing. I right, probably would have been right. doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they never did it again, and they got they got very very serious about hockey, and uh, it was it was uh, shown in the results that they achieved. Right. It was a lesson that they had to learn. Right. It was a lesson that yeah. they had to learn. So, um, but you were done. Okay. So. Yourself, where obviously the Kings weren't done, you weren't done. Same game, you guys force overtime, and then in OT, you take the draw in the other zone, and you're going to win it clearly for Daryl Evans. Oh, I mean, this, this is clear. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. There you go. The face off off of Messier, and and he didn't win many yeah. face offs off off of Mark. I'll tell you that. He, you know, he he was a moose. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I just, I knocked it out of the air, I think, when it was dropping and it, and it went right to Daryl. And then he shot it between my legs. Actually, if you look really close in this video, I might be able to see it hitting my knee and we could get that goal change. What do you think? Daryl, Daryl's made yeah. a great career out of it, though. <laughs> it went off your knee right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're going to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't told anybody yet. They got to change the record books here. Oh, there you go. Tell and me about that a, experience. So that, that come back. Yeah. Here's yeah. here's the game sheet from that night, and and here's the sweater. Okay, for the LA right. Kings, they're so awesome. You know, they they for the six goal scorers, they 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 had the sweaters done. They they brought us down. There was a big event in LA to celebrate the 25th anniversary of 
of, of that goal. And uh, my wife and I went down to LA and celebrated and, you know, saw everybody, you know, and then with the closing of the Northlands Coliseum, I got to see Wayne again because I never played with Wayne. They always positioned me against Wayne from the time I stepped into the National Hockey League. And so I had this uh, thankless job of, 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 of following this guy around, you know, and, or trying to get in his way. And, and, and he, he was magical. It was, it was, I wish I could let everybody that loves hockey feel like, uh, feel what it was like to be out on the ice with that guy. Um, you know, I played over 65, 70 games against him, facing off against him. As his shadow. So you got a better look at Gretzky than anybody else ever did. How good was he? He didn't need any space. He needed, if I needed six inches, he needed one, right? Like when, when you play the game, you, you're trying to narrow people down. And, and, and he needed so little space to be able to maneuver. That was his gift, right? Um, like a figure skater. If you tried to hit a figure skater like Brian Orser, you, you know, you, he'd just disappear, right? You, you wouldn't even feel him. He'd spin away from you. And, and Wayne was like that. He, he combined both. So. It was really something else. I, I still remember a few times I really had him lined up and, and I thought for sure I had got him. Um, and, and like he was gone, he was three steps away. The only time I ever saw him got knocked out, he got knocked out cold one night in, uh, in, in LA, Dave Taylor, who was playing on my right side, uh, caught him coming around the net, didn't see him, just knocked him out cold. He was down for a while. And uh, we, I think, I think that was the highest penalty minute game after that uh, of the season. I, th I think we fought like every every faceoff for for the rest of the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you hit Gretzky, you you would certainly have to pay for it. But hitting yeah. it was no easy task in the first place. So, like as you said, uh, Dave Taylor's forced enough to catch him with his head down, which wasn't frequently. And then of it, course it wasn't. It's no, fight it night. It's fight night <laughs> at the forum. Yeah, it's, and they had Semenko, so it wasn't fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he could he could hold two guys oh, like yeah. this and bang their heads together. And, yeah, and he had the reach too. He he would be oh he would be popping it from the long range. I watched it one time with Tiger Williams because Tiger Williams played on my right side for a year and a half, and I watched yeah. him reach over the top of a pile because Tiger was yapping at him, and he hit yeah. Tiger right on the top of the head. But Tiger went down like a ton of bricks. <laughs> 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 yeah, Samika was incredible. Yeah. So, okay, guy, so you end guy. up leaving the Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, he was, Wayne he was a wonderful man. About him too. Yeah. Right. In 1986, you get dealt to the Sabres along with Brian Engblom for Ken Baumgartner, Larry Playford, and Sean McKenna. And here's a special moment for you. So you're playing with the Sabres now. You reach uh, career goal number 100 which is also the 5,000th goal in Sabres history. Did you enjoy that time in Buffalo? Yeah, because I was a healthy scratch in L.A. Three years into my career, I was begging to be traded, but you couldn't really do that back then. And so right. like get, getting to, to Buffalo was like being in the National Hockey League again for me. Like it, Everybody was hockey. It was like being back in Ottawa. And when I arrived in Buffalo, I was I was beaten. I was beaten down by by what what was going on in L.A. at the time. Five coaches in four years. I, I had to I had to go to court against my against Don Perry because of the Paul Mulvey situation. So I was in all sorts of fiascos. But when I got to Buffalo, Scotty Bowman picked me up at the airport. Believe it or not, I I didn't know this was happening. He picks wow. me up at the airport, and all the way back to my to drop me off at the hotel near the odd. 
all he was talking about was how he was, he'd been trying to trade for me for three or four years. He, at the draft, he was trying to trade for me. And so he, it was like talking to my mother, like he was building up my belief. And, and, and I went out the first game after I was traded from LA after five years, second pick overall, I go at the first game with the Buffalo Sabres. I score 13 seconds into my first game. And I score two goals and one assist. We break a five-game losing streak, and I'm the first star. And my line goes on to get 27 points in five games, and I'm on the top line in the National Hockey League with Mike Foligno. And rest in peace, Paul Sear. Wow. What a turnaround. Like what that. a difference it, it was. It wasn't, yeah. a physical, it wasn't a physical turnaround. And in my book today, I write about how it wasn't a physical turnaround. It was an emotional turnaround. I was being traumatized by cumulative emotional trauma. It wasn't a physical injury. And, and the broken neck that I suffered later in my career paled in comparison, really, to, to, the, to the cumulative emotional trauma I experienced it, w- with being trapped in a place I didn't want to be in. And, and, and then an expectation for me to perform. You can't isolate and then expect an individual to perform, right? And, and that would never happen today. But, but back then, it was the first year of the 18-year-old draft and, and crazy stuff like that was going on. Way crazier stuff was going on than that. Well, we have uh, some video of you uh, in, in another situation with the Sabres. Clearly, at this point, you're feeling better about who you are and uh, in, in better spirits well, because uh, this is the this just... is a video. This is a video. What, tell us what's happening here. Roll this one, Vic. Oh, my God. So all of a sudden, I'm doing music videos. It's like the Forrest Gump <laughs> video again, okay? So I'm, I'm in the trash in L.A., and I get to Buffalo, I become a superstar, and now, now they're using my voice. And I, and I never get, even got paid for this, you know? I don't know if it's a chart single, but... <laughs> Top on the charts in Buffalo, I think. <laughs> so that really was you singing, because it sounded pretty good. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess I, I can sing, uh, but uh, I never knew it, and nobody ever called, so I just assumed I couldn't. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, that's funny. That's just so clearly, hilarious. clearly, clearly better, better times. And uh, you know, uh, another thing about Doug Smith, we learned it when when, uh, when uh, Paul sent us his videos that you obviously weren't afraid to drop the myths. Uh, we got a uh, situation when you uh, got in, entangled with Dean Everson of the waiters here, and uh, and you fed him oh, pretty I've, good here. I've <laughs> you, I've, you I've, apo- I've apologized to 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 him. I don't know if he yeah. received the apology, but if he didn't receive it, I did send it, and 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 and, and I apologize for this. I, I get both both of us could have been hurt really badly in in that you know entanglement. So, and I caused the problem. I started swinging first, and 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 that's the way it works. You know, there's no reason to lose emotional control. It's one of the behaviors that I teach today because it's the hardest one for a professional athlete to manage. Well, another, okay, well, let's backtrack a bit now. This is back when you're a young guy in the league and you get into a tussle with uh, former Leafs captain Daryl Sidler, who is a flyer oh. at this point. Oh, this is the wrong video. This is the same. This is the Everson oh, fight. And, and again. By, we the, have by the way, Joe, Joe, I was, here we cut, go. Here we go. I, I was cut before the fight by, by, by a stick. And so all the blood that okay. I, that's coming from me didn't come from Daryl Sidler. Right. It, it, it right. came from Glenn Cochran. Glenn Cochran broke my nose. And, and, and see the guy right. lying in the on the corner is, is Glenn Cochran, because I, I, I gave him a, a right to the nose. 
And then and, and right. then Daryl Sittler jumped in while my nose was bleeding, and then he took credit for all this beautiful blood that's all over the place. But that it was that that's that's yeah. the truth. I mean, it was it was it was unbelievable because I'm a 180 pound guy. Like Daryl, believe it or not, Daryl Sittler was about you know when he was at his heaviest, probably 225. So what was it? Yeah, beast. He was a beast. Right. Right. He he didn't no, fight I'm much, thinking, but yeah, that, yeah. I'm thinking that probably though, when you're like, you're really early in your career at this point and you know, you can see the Cooper alls here, the flyers, uh, oh, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> poor Daryl. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, but you're fighting a guy, Daryl Sittler, who I'm thinking had to be probably one of your heroes growing up. Uh, I, I'm thinking, you know, Toronto Maple Leaf guy, an Ontario guy, and, 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 and here you are fighting him. What, what, what was that like? Yeah, well, I did. I didn't. I, I never was a hockey fan. I didn't know who the guys were when I got to LA. I, I really didn't. I was always out playing something: lacrosse, hockey, golf, right. tennis. You know, so I, I didn't. I wasn't really a fan of the game, to to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, I knew who he was because because of who he was. But but I, I yeah, he wasn't an idol. He, uh, Glenn Cochran did something to me that, that was vicious, and I punched him in the nose. And then Daryl Sittler jumped on my back. It was an honor. Yeah, right. There you go. So the way the game was, I'm glad it was Daryl Sittler and not Tiger Williams. <laughs> right. <laughs> Daryl Sittler, not known as a scrapper, but obviously like yourself, would, 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 would drop the mitts when, when it was called upon. Well, so, Tiger, uh, William, Tiger Williams, I just have to tell this one story because I never tell it on the air and Tiger might, 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 right. might not be happy with it. But Tiger used to sharpen the end of his stick, like the blade. And then when he went into a pile, if you have any video, he always had his stick upside down. Right. So the blade of wow. his stick was here, but, but he had sharpened it. Right. So, so he used to pop guys with the end of his stick and cut them for one or two stitches. Like when he was on all those scrums and stuff, and he was just waiting for somebody to, to punch him so he could go. It was amazing to watch. He gave me a lot of room. Wow. But you learn how to fight from guys like that, but some of the tricks you're not, <laughs> you're not willing to pick up. You know? I don't want to fight. You didn't sharpen your stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you did have a few fights in your career, obviously. Did some of those fights, do you believe they contributed to the concussion issues, which you, which you ran into later? Oh, no. Like the, the impacts with defensemen like Billy Kitchen and Junior and 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 Barry Beck, you know, and and Semenko. I was going full speed. I, I don't know the difference between going pile driver and and stepping on something. I, I have no idea what the difference is. If if the objective is to go through it, I'll go through it. And 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 I I didn't I just changed my level and speed up a little bit to see if my body can take the impact. I've knocked like guys that are six five, two thirty, two forty down. You know, and and even when they're looking at me, and and so I just that that was the way I was brought up. It was part of the game. Use the body, get in the way, um, and yeah, that's that's just the way I was. So so that's that's why my my brain, it, the 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 axons in your brain have a shear strength, and so you're able to measure based on the force whether whether axons in your brain, which carry information, uh, are tearing. Right. And, and when you play a game that has deceleration like that, the impact force is 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 very clear. It's, it's not really a debate anymore. It has a, a, an effect, no doubt about it. And, and for those who played played a lot of hockey, they've, they've had that effect. So what mm -hmm. prompted you to, to go to Europe to play? 
Well, I had a fallout with Scotty Bowman actually a couple of years later, and and Scotty doesn't forgive, um, uh, and so uh, he sent me to the minors, and the team didn't like it, so they fired Scotty, and mm-hmm. I came back to the Buffalo Sabers. He went on uh, to take a break from hockey, the only break he took in his career, because he was he was really strung out and and torn apart by the Buffalo Sabers, so. You know, he he took some time off, and then he he joined uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and and he joined the Pittsburgh Penguins about two months after I had joined the Pittsburgh Penguins. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Scotty. Yeah. He, he, I knew I knew I was on the Queensway in Ottawa. I was on the four seventeen going going west, and and it was unbelievable. I was with my wife, and and it came on the radio that Scotty Bowman had been hired by the Pittsburgh Penguins as director of player operations. And I, and I looked at my wife and I said, uh, I better call Larry Kelly because we're going, we're going to Europe. <laughs> you can't get, you can't, it's right. sad for me to talk about it, that it ended that way. You can, but, but, but there was no way you could get around anything like that back then. You know, the guys that are listening and the people that are listening, the family members, they, they have to understand that there was no way of getting around it. The structure, the system was set up so that it was impossible for the players to move. Right. You were basically chattel in this case, and you had no yeah. you you had no options. Yeah, no, from eighteen, that's that's what I was. So, you know, if I survived, great. But guys like uh, Craig Redmond didn't survive, right? One of the best players to come out of junior or, or university in the U.S. Like he, he was in L.A. for what a year and a half, two years. Like, but I mean, I think I saw I saw stuff going on like that I never participated in because it happened to me, but. Um, yeah, you know, when you're 18, it's a different mindset. It's a different brain. It's the, the way it behaves, the, the kind of preparation it's had. And you're dealing with 30 year old men and 18 year old boys. And, and anyways, it's, it's crazy. It, it was crazy, but you know, everything takes time to change. It doesn't all change in an instant. We have to, the, the awareness comes in an instant and that's what I teach. You can become aware like that, but, but the actual change you want to see happen takes a little more time than that. So 29 years old, basically in the premier career, uh, playing career, you're in the European Elite League. And uh, let's talk about what happened in your 607th professional game. Yeah, I went full speed headfirst into the end boards. The impact force was the same as you accelerating from zero to 60 miles an hour, 100 kilometers an hour and one third of a second. And so what happened was the fifth and sixth cervical vertebrae exploded and I tore all the ligaments in the back of my neck. And I stayed still because I fell to the ice with my head on my gloves. But the important thing about that in, that accident, that physical accident, was I realized um, when I was that close to death because I heard my neck break. Um, yeah, it was it, it was unbelievable because it was broken in over a hundred places, and you can see that information online. But I, what I realized is. I, all the things I saw weren't about all the goals I scored or all the games I won or all the good things that people said about me. It was all the times that I did things like I did to Dean Evison or I didn't show up for people or, you know, I didn't support them when I could have supported them when I thought I was too important. Um, and, and so, you know, that's what I saw that, that, you know, in those seconds afterwards, like not knowing, um, yeah, that's what came to me. And then that, that's what I share with, with my audience today uh, it, it are, are many of those things that I saw in that period of time, very specific things. I won't go into them today. Well, so this is like your life flashing before your eyes moment. Yeah. Is that what you're yeah, seeing? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that was, and and very specific things came forward, and it was the things I didn't do. Mm-hmm. That so I, I the prognosis—I I, I didn't. I wasn't aware. Maybe I wasn't aware. Maybe we're not aware. But if we can become aware, maybe we'll do those things before it comes to that time for us. And that gave you the motivation to follow up on that, obviously, later on. Better. So, so yeah. right. So the prognosis is that you were going to be quadriplegic for the rest of your life, uh, but apparently you had other plans. And tell us how you got over that. Well, there was three surgeries leading to that. And in the third surgery, everything fell apart. And I woke up, woke up in ICU paralyzed from the chest down. And I got the news that everybody that has a spinal cord injury gets, you know, which is it's not going to happen for you. And so my, my wife stepped up. She saved me from being suicidal. Um, but it's hard to, it's hard to commit suicide when you're quadriplegic. I'll tell you that it, holding your breath doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad that doesn't work. But, but when I, when I was awake, it was a nightmare. Uh, when I was asleep, I was okay. And so all I wanted was a consistent flow of drugs to keep me asleep. Um, and then, you know, the slow progression of the support from, uh, you know, all sorts of practitioners that are in my family. I come from a long line of healers. They had their hands on me, cranial sacral therapy, massage therapy, um, reflexology, acupuncture. Uh, I go Thursday for acupuncture and reflexology this week. Um, you know, it was a, it was an unbelievable effort by a whole bunch of people to support me. Even Brian Kilroy stepped in and the people that I knew from the past to help me get back to Canada, uh, to help me, you know, get back on my feet again. And, and I try to recognize them in my first book, not the trauma code, but the, in my first book, thriving in transition. So I recognize all those people. Um, that were there because if they weren't there, they, something might have fallen through the cracks. I was, I was on such a borderline, and I still am today. I have no extension strength. Uh, three limbs are still affected, but I can spin a I can spin a frisbee on my on my finger still. <laughs> I, I can spin right. frisbee wow. tricks, but I only have I only have two fingers on this hand, and so I, ha- I have these these issues that I deal with, but I've been able to compensate. So that's that's the situation today. Is there any uh, one thing that sort of sticks out for you as as like the that 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 come to moment where you just uh, where the light went on or and uh, something yeah. changed or yeah what was that? Yeah. My bladder didn't work, so I had complete bladder and bowel shutdown, and so seven months in, six seven months into it, I I had no bladder function, and my wife was catheterizing me three times a day. Um, she also had a newborn, a two-year-old, and she was catheterizing me. And so mm. I, I was totally dependent and I, and I had to get, and I was walking, I was limping, but I was walking one arm work. And so I had to, I had to get my bladder working. It was so, I was so desperate. And so the only way I could do it, I figured was to get off the pain medication. I was on 250 milligrams of morphine a day. Uh, 50 milligrams of halcyon to sleep. That's a banned knockout drug now. You can't use it. But I was addicted to morphine after a year on morphine and being in a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. The only way I could figure out how to get my bladder working and get physical functionality was by making a mental decision. And I remember the last half pill of morphine. Um, and I, I stopped. Six weeks later, my bladder started working. And it's just, uh, it's, it, it's just continued to work. And I'll be 60 uh, next month. So the 
the morphine was was uh, causing a malfunction oh. of your bladder, and you and you, so, but you needed the morphine in your mind to think that you could get, to get through the pain, right? So, uh, how did yeah. you? Yeah. Like, there was that moment there. How did you get past that? Uh, it was just a priority. It was priority. Yeah, yeah like I'll, I'll I'll deal with pain. I don't take any medication today. None. If I took morphine today, I'd, I'd want to be ready with, because uh, even Tylenol, if I took Tylenol 3s, I'd want to be ready with a catheter kit just because of the impact it has. That's how that's how sort of on a, on a wire I am. I think we're all on that wire, but but our wire's a little thicker. My, mine's, mine's really skinny. <laughs> uh, right? So you, you yeah. You, you're uh, you're not you're starting to change your attitude in a lot of different ways. Obviously, getting out the morphine is going to clear your head, make you think a little bit more clearly. And you talked yes. about uh, uh, it wasn't about being the best in the world, but being the best for the world. Talk about making that kind of mental wow. transition. That's what I'll be speaking about at Notre Dame uh, University in the U.S. Um, that's what I saw. You know, that, that that's the commitment I made. If you want to know about my commitments when I, when I hit the boards and when I was being taken off the ice and when I found out my neck was broken, it was that, um, is that it was done. I I'm done. Like the, like nobody was saying, well, you might come back. Like I've had bad accidents, but I was done. Mm -hmm. So, so it was like, I had to make a decision, a very clear decision. And, and I, to be able to do better than I had done, imagine how am I going to do better? Mm. Um, and the only way right. I could figure out how to do better was to develop a process that I deliver to people that works on their brain and works on their mind. It, it works on the subconscious, you know, and that feeds the body. The body is just a tool for us, right? Without the brain, it just falls down in a pile of dust. So, you know, I, I just wish people would, would understand that. And, and, and if they can understand that through my work and they can pass it on to somebody else and people just seem to get better like thousands and thousands and thousands of people joe are, are they're getting better and they call me and the, the strangest people nicaragua like over in turkey over in it's it's insane what's happening with this um so it, it it's really uh i'm really honored i uh it makes me sad. I can't do it faster. You know what I mean? Like if it was hockey, I could, I could go fire a hundred pucks in the net, but when it's a book, you got to take your time. You got to be patient. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if, so you've had a life where you've believed a certain system and believed certain things about yourself and believed if you could be, you know, this, you could be better and that hockey, good hockey player. I'm going to be better. And then you come to the realization that, you know what? I can be better. Yeah. Just by doing better. And so yeah. I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm a recovered alcoholic. So the way I look at it is like when I was in my worst, uh, my worst moment, it was a place for me to uh, the jumping off point. And you think that it can't, it, it, you know, it, it's just horrible. It's over and everything else. But then you get to a place where you realize it's better than it's ever been. And it keeps getting better and better and better. And that's why, you know, it, it, it's about an attitude change and why it's all, you know, it is, it is a mental shift. And however you get there, I guess, isn't that important? What is important is to get there and to understand that there is another way of looking at things because, you know, you look at all the people who've, who've had, you know, uh, completed suicide and, 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 and all that because of, they could be stuck in a place where they didn't think they could get out. But, you know, somebody who's been through it, you've been through obviously. I promise. There's a I, way I, I promise. I promise to wake you up 
and get you in a place where you have to make a decision. And even if that's quitting, I've been at conferences where where people have come up to me and said they're quitting and their boss is standing 40 feet away. (laughs) You want to take this home with you. You want to take this home with you. Here's my card. Just, you know, like you don't have to like make, but, but what I do with the brain is very similar to what the amazing Preston used to do. Who was up on my wall, a signed thing from him. Yeah. Yeah. As I, as I help them access things that they've never accessed before. So, you know, yeah. it, it, it changes them and forces them into a situation where they can stay where they are and be unhappy or they can make a decision to to, to turn in a different direction. But there, there's mechanisms that you need in place to be able to do that. So I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. It's it's a very simple process. Right. And you've got written two books. Um, yeah. The Thriving in Transition and the Trauma Code, which we have up here right now. Oh, and, yeah. And, uh, str- tell us a yeah, little bit good. about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, Driving yeah, yeah. in Transition, I wrote because I had to. And in the book, I teach you how right. to write a book, you know, how to get the pictures together, how to write 140 characters about each picture, how to organize the pictures and then put it together. And then you have a book. I, I share my story in pictures and, and, and yeah, Thriving in Transition. I'm happy to send it to you. Just send me a note. And then, uh, and then the big one is the, the trauma code. Maybe my next one is the big one. Who knows? But I have one underway, yeah. but. But the trauma code came out with something that that scales. Um, it came out with a system that explains the 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 four types of trauma, the three priorities of the subconscious, and eight behaviors that I developed in my life that you can develop too. You know, we all learn the behaviors in our own way, but you know, the behaviors are awareness, purpose, motivation, focus, belief in self, trust, asking for help, and emotional control. And you learn those at a different in a different way than I do uh, in your lifetime. But when we teach them, when you learn them, they're, they're learned in a very specific order. So if you learn them in a very specific order, starting with awareness, then purpose, then motivation, then you'll be able to put together the building blocks that you need to be able to serve the priorities of the subconscious brain. And the priorities of the subconscious brain are meeting basic needs, clarity of thought, and helping other people. It, do, it doesn't care about anything else. So, you know, I spend most of my time speaking about meeting basic needs, what it is, clarity of thought, what it means to work on it, and helping other people. Because we all have this innate desire to help other people. So if I spend all my time there, people what, realize what the priorities are, then I give them the behaviors, and they're really simple, just simple exercises that you do. They're really not even exercises, they're just changes you make that make sense. And uh, what is the biggest hurdle asking for help? Because, I mean, we're, we're, we have this, I don't know, the, 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 this society that tells us, do it, suck it up, pull up your bootstraps. I mean, do it on your own and you don't you, have to you ask need, for it. You shouldn't have to ask for help. You need asking for help to solve the emotional control puzzle. A lot of people do. They, they, they can't see when they lose emotional control or when they decide to do something that's beyond physics that they shouldn't do, right? They, they, it's almost like some people need another set of eyes. I think we all need another set of eyes. So, so asking for help would come just before emotional control. But without the purpose, without motivation, without focus, belief in self and trust, you know, you, you have a harder time to, to, to ask for help. Don't worry about you can't ask for help right this second. Prepare yourself to ask for help. 
That's all you have to do. If you just start preparing yourself and you just keep it to yourself, then you'll be ready. Then you'll be more ready than you would be if you just sat back and didn't do anything, right? So keep it to yourself right now, but prepare. Wow. That's good. I like that. So uh, what does this uh, system 4.38 signify? Yeah, the four types of trauma, which are catastrophic physical. You know it when you got it. Catastrophic emotional. You know it when you got it. You can't hide it. Cumulative physical. We know we're doing it with soccer, banging your head over and over again, but we ignore it, right? But cumulative physical, you can Mm -hmm. see the damage. It's not debatable. And then we got the fourth one, which you can't see. It's invisible. It's like carbon monoxide to the brain. It's because of the coating of the brain. Cumulative emotional trauma will take you out. It's like, Joe, it's like a ticking time bomb. It's around us all the time, but we ignore it because we can't see it, so we can't measure it, right? Because you got to be able to see it, to measure it. And, And so looking at cumulative emotional trauma and the real impact that it has, because we all suffer from it, it doesn't have to control you. It will always be with you, but it doesn't have to control you. And so it's it's this it's this strange thing. So if you talk about performance trauma recovery, trauma and recovery are the same word. What you have the brain has to do in trauma and recovery is the same. But in dealing with trauma, you have a different element. It's like having gold instead of silver. But nobody wants to look at it because it's a bad thing or something. It's this thing that they don't really understand. And it's not scary. We all suffer from it. We just need to better manage it. So just take a management approach to it and things will change for you. I promise. Right. Shine the light on it first. And and, and then, uh, you know, yeah. Cumulative emotional trauma is the hard one, but if you use the meeting basic needs, clarity of thought and helping other people, those priorities, if you just feed those priorities, you'll solve the trauma problem without knowing it. Right. You'll put barriers in the way of it without having to see it. Mm. Because your expectation of wanting to see it is outrageous. It's bizarre. It's confusing and it's illogical because you can't see it. I can prove it. And, and, and what we're going to see in the, in the, in the coming future is that we can prove it. And the markers for all these brain issues that we have, like Alzheimer's and dementia, there's going to be markers. We're going to be able to see them very shortly. I, I get it. I'm very fortunate. I get a chance to interface with the top people in psychiatry and psychology. So the things I see, I'm going, holy cow, because they all believe that my system actually in a rudimentary form feeds the, feeds the entire process of mental health. And it, 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 it actually, I feel pressure from that. Actually, <laughs> I really do. Wow, that's very cool. Not a bad uh, pressure. A, Not a bad a pressure, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, no. But it, it, it's cool that you're you're in touch with with folks who are who are close to finding. I mean, when we know the source, understand the source, the cause, then that's when we mm-hmm. can can uh, get closer to to the cure. So you know, you've done TED talks, um, and you've got upcoming uh, uh, the. Purpose Summit 2023 at Notre Dame. Tell us about this yeah. and, and, and what's it, what we're going to see here. Well, you just go to the Purpose Summit 2023 at Notre Dame and you can see who I, I'm beside. Like, just look at the people that I'm, that I'm speaking with. I feel like such an amateur compared to what I'm stepping into these days. 
Um, I, I did get a, a chance to speak at, at Lac Limi, at the Hilton Lac Limi, but, but this is, this is at, a, at a completely different level with some world-class speakers who have spoken around the world and who the people uh, who are watching this show would know. And I'm like, wow, how did I get in the room? I guess I visualized it. I guess I thought it was supposed to go here. Um, so, so I'm still, you know, dealing with that growth right now and really trying to work on my craft as much as possible. So when I get out there, I'm able to pass the puck around, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it would be nice. I, I don't think you have a problem with that. I don't think you have a problem with that. you're born to be that centerman, right? Setting up the, <laughs> setting up the goals. So, uh, I want to talk about, uh, a recent post that I've noticed you put on LinkedIn and, and, uh, cause I got some interest in this, uh, Bleeding we are doing. Gambling, gambling, gambling. It's like we are attempting to desensitize the next few generations to gambling by immersing them in gambling. Uh, they yeah. need the money maybe? Yes, no. Can you explain, uh, expand on this? Well, I, I wrote it before all the discussion about shutting it down. I, I can't imagine it continuing for superstars and athletes and people that work for athletes and other people that to, to promote this when the kids are the ones that are watching them. It just, it just didn't make sense out of the out, you know, like right out of the gate. They, they, the people who are doing it right now, they're, they're obviously not looking at something or they're just looking at the money and that and that's okay. I mean, th there'll be a short period of time where you can go after short term results. Uh, but I don't think I would advise people to go after long-term uh, results for their own personal health in this particular space. It, it, it could do some severe damage to their health. I mean, I'm talking yeah, about the ones, who the ones who institute it, I'm talking about. Because if you institute something like this, listen, when I talked to Kreskin, just to give you an example, the power of things, in 2017, I had dinner with him in Ottawa. And I asked him what the biggest problem is going to be in the future. And he said, small screens, minors, and locked doors, which means small screens, telephones, uh, minors, yeah. underage people. Yeah. And, and small screen, it, it, that's, that's what we face right now. And, and it's the same when it comes to gambling. You can actually pinpoint it to two or three things. And nobody, nobody on the planet can defend their position. You know, mm -hmm. how, do, how do you go into a game like that? Put somebody who's an expert at, on the brain and what it does to the brain next to somebody who's trying to make money uh, managing the setup of the gambling at a casino. They would not be able to be in the same room. They, they would be like Russia and Ukraine. Right. Right. <laughs> There's so, no discussion here. Yeah. You got you to, you got to, you got to, right. they're not, nobody's coming to the table. Promise. No, yeah, and, and, and you know what? And, and it's it's become ridiculous. I mean, you're watching the game, and they're coming on with, "Okay, we're well, going to the third period. Can the Leafs come back?" And you they're, know, they're like, going to be they're, they're going to be taking up soon. They're going to on the penalty shots at the end. They're they're going to be they're yeah, going to yeah. have a something Stop. on the screen where you're depending on where Stop. he is on will the he score? <laughs> will he yeah. score? Stop. Will he, will will he, he score? Really, really, really? Is he going to play so, the open so net? <laughs> Yeah, they'll have the referee hold the hold the hold the shooter, hold the shooter, hold the shooter, yeah. hold the shooter. Okay, all the bets are in. Okay, go. <laughs> we know. need to do a comedy yeah, when, act when, for this week as twenty two minutes. Yeah. This could be the comedy act right here. Send yeah, it yeah, them. for sure. Yeah, yeah, this is good. So, uh, listen, I, 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 this has been a, a great conversation, Doug. It'd be awesome having you on, and 
I, oh, I, sure. I mentioned before. I, I think I throw. I think I'll blow you away with some of the video that I'd be able to conjure up with the help of. Oh, Paul. I'll be talking and, to Paul. Uh, I already wrote yeah. his name down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is great. Being very informative and uh, really enjoyed this. Thank you for being on here today. Thanks for having me, Joe. Really nice to meet you. You know who you remind me of more than anybody is Ron McLean. Oh, yeah. You well, right, remind me of Ron. I'm honored. I, I the way you handle Ron your McClain, words. It, yeah. yeah. I, worked with, I worked with Ron in, in 1982. <laughs> yeah. Ed Redger. Yeah, oh, yeah, right yeah. on. I've traveled with Ron yeah. and, and Ron's been a big supporter. Yeah. I have his work. I, I have his latest work right here. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, he has my work and he, he's sort of the guy that I guess, I guess helps out and, and watches out and is open for me to talk to you on the inside. Cause I don't, I don't venture sure. in there very, I don't venture in there very often anymore. Um, and, and there's a lot of triggers, but you know, I, I'm, I'm busy on, on, a, on another venture now, right? I, I, I really appreciate what the teams did for me in the National Hockey League and how they believed in me. And, and I'd like to thank them before we get off the air. So, you know, th- thank you to uh, L.A. And, and Buffalo Sabres and the Edmonton Oilers and the Vancouver Canucks and, uh, and the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, and VLAC over in, uh, in Austria and Felkirk, uh, and the people in Klagenfurt where I broke my neck, uh, that night, you know, the, those doctors there saved my life. And it was the first time they, they had ever put a halo fixation on. So they had never drilled, uh, screws into the skull and they had to put four screws, three millimeters into my skull while I was awake. Um, you mm. know, and, 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 and they, they, they did it. I was the first one they did. And I'm sure they've done a lot since. So thank you for that. Yeah. And we actually had run on the show, uh, about a year ago and uh check it out uh check okay. out go to youtube you can see our our, our old past shows there and the uh ron was great ron was uh well, open awesome. and, and, and very great uh congratulations on the work you do thank you for the work you do doug and uh it was great thank you we'll talk to you soon joe all right more sports after this Joe Tilly here. My wife, Penny Claire, and I recently took an amazing trip to Egypt and Jordan with Trip Oppo. And here are our top 10 must-dos. Another must-do experience is a luxurious cruise down the Nile River. The ship was elegantly furnished with premium facilities, including a spacious lounge and a swimming pool. The cabins were comfortable, well-appointed, offering panoramic views of the Nile River and the surrounding landscape. I would highly recommend that you book your next trip through Tripopo. Call them today. Addiction Rehab Toronto, Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center, saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life. Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca.
My Costa Swiss pick of the week. Last week, I took Tesla Power, who went off as a co-favorite in the Ontario Spring Series for three-year-old Philly Pacers. Tesla Power ultimately found some room on the inside down the stretch, but it was the other co-favorite, Chetta Chetta, with Louis Philip Wah and the Selkie flying on the outside to take the victory, trained by Chantel Mitchell for Decision Theory, Inc. The 659 trifecta returned $178.90. This week, I'm looking at Thursday night's ninth race, a trot. The number eight horse, Eden on the Hill, with Phil Houdon driving, is coming off a nice win with an impressive time last week. I also like that 458 exacta and trifecta box. For all the racing updates, visit Costa TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go to hpibet.com for your wagering options. Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA, Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAonline.com and check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates. Live racing year-round. Go to hpibet.com for all your wagering options. Become a member today, and your first bet is free. That's hpibet.com. Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top-of-the-line imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com. And we want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, and all-around great people. We highly recommend them all. Thank you for your support of Canadian and local sports. A reminder that the show is available on iTunes, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcast, and Pocket Cast, as well as the Spanglish Network, Zingo TV, and Buzz TV Live. Also, check out the show on YouTube. All of our great past shows and clips are on there, some shorts. You're going to like it. Like and subscribe. It is absolutely free. Thank you once again to Doug Smith for being on the program. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to overpromise and overdeliver? Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416-GET-ALDO or visit getaldo.com. Brian Gribben Insurance Planning, helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family and your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did. 905-686-5678. MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting, tax, and business accounting firm. MNP proudly serves and responds to the need of their clients in the private public, and non-profit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to do business and personal strategies to help people and organizations to succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Mississauga, Burlington, and more, their team is here to support you. Visit mnp.ca today to learn more.